Hello, and welcome to Twisted Reality, where we dive into stories of spirits, myths, and the unknown. My name is Misty. I am with my husband, Matt. We are ordained ministers. We will attempt to shed light on the stories and myths that twist reality. Last episode, we had started a magazine. It's the Life, the World's Most Haunted Places. Creepy, Ghostly, and Notorious Spots. We had finished talking about Ed Gein, and now we are going into where Rosemary's baby was born, the Dakota. And there's a big picture of, I don't know if you want to call it a mansion, I'm not sure, it could be several buildings put together, and then there's also a picture of John Lennon which I'm not sure if he he bought a spot here. I'm, I'm not sure. And then down below is the inside of what one of these rooms is, I'm assuming. So I'm going to read the little paragraph. Far left, which is the big mansion picture, Melanie Griffith, Antonio Banderas, Cher and Billy Joel were among the rich and famous who have been deemed membership to one of Manhattan's most exclusive clubs, residents of the Dakota Apartment Building. So it's an apartment building. But plenty of ghosts, including one who insisted on living with John Lennon and Yoko Ono, never had to gain the co-op board's approval. At left, Lennon sits in the kitchen of his Dakota apartment in 1975. Below, the building, the building's entrance, where Lennon was shot on December 8, 1980, seen on the 23rd anniversary of his death. When John Lennon and Yoko Ono moved into the Dakota on 72nd Street and Central Park West in 1973, they were aware the building was rumored to be haunted, so they hired a medium to conduct a seance in their 7th floor apartment and reached Jesse Ryan, the recently departed wife of Dirty Dozen actor Robert Ryan, who'd sold them the unit. No blithe spirit, Jessie promptly announced that she intended to stay in the couple's digs, which did not make the Ryan's daughter, Lisa, happy. If my mother's ghost belongs anywhere, she told Ono, it's here with me. Most of the Dakota spirits don't belong here, of course, but they seem to have been in residence since the building was completed. In 1884, it was built for a Singer sewing machine president, Edward S. Clark, in Manhattan's then rural Upper West Side. The German Renaissance Revival structure was reportedly called the Dakota because its location was as remote as Dakota Territory. Over time, the Dakota sent Sinister reputations has grown along with its 
inference. You showed me this and it's in a shadow. I'm sorry. Inference? Yeah, that's weird. <clears throat> this was, after all, where Lennon was murdered in 1980. Ono, meanwhile, still lives there. And Ira, Le Ira Levine used it as the setting for his classic 1967 novel, Rosemary's Baby. Though the novelist called it the Black Bramford, he drew on the Dakota's dark mojo for inspiration over the years. One actress said, the Bramford has had far more than its share of ugly and unsavory happenings. In Levine's world, these include cannibalism, witchcraft, Satanism, and murder. But he may well added the real-life spirit of a beautiful blonde girl in a yellow dress. Some have called her the house ghost. Others, a bad omen. It's my birthday, she allegedly said to a painter who later fell to his death. Others have seen the ghost of a man with the face of a small boy. And a mysterious fire started inside writer Rex Reed's apartment. I thought, welcome to Dakota, he later told Stephen Birmingham in Life at the Dakota. Here, elevators move on their own. Footsteps are heard where no mortal walks. Rumbling sounds through the walls, and the past seems to coexist with the present. A chandelier was seen through the window of one of the resident's apartments as he walked to the building, despite the fact that he had no chandelier. Only the remains of one. Many phenomena seem to emanate from the basement, including the so-called man with a wig, who is known for taking off his wig and shaking it angrily. In Levine's novel, Rosemary calls the basement kind of creepy. So does singer Roberta Flack, a longtime resident who refuses to enter it. This building has been occupied by a lot of strong people, she told Birmingham. They stay... They have memories. They come back. I don't think you have any input on that one, do you? I like the show. Yeah, it was a good show. All right, turning the page. Uh, this one has a picture of a couple graves, so it's like a grave site. And the caption says, Oren C. Painter erected this marker in 1930 to commemorate, commemorate. Thank you. Poe's original burial place in the West Mentral Hall <laughs> burying ground at, and catacombs in Baltimore. Below it, it says the Edgar Allan Poe House in Baltimore. In the early morning hours of September 27, 1849, Edgar Allan Poe left Richmond, Virginia on a steamer heading to Baltimore. He wasn't seen again until nearly a week later when he was found deliriously, probably drunk, 
and wearing someone else's clothes in a Baltimore tavern. Hospitalized, the great writer raved repeatedly, shouting someone's name, until on October 7th, he muttered, Lord, help my poor soul, and then he died. Now a museum, the Edgar Allan Poe House on Baltimore's Amity Street, is where the writer lived in the early 1830s. Okay, that's kind of weird. It is weird. (laughs) Amity, huh? Yeah, Amity Street. And we're going to read about an Amityville horror here, that house, in this book. It's in here. Anyway, it is locals say haunted, but not by Poe's poor soul. Some have seen the spirit of a stout old woman dressed in clothing of the early 1800s. Others have reported visitations of a specter known as Mr. Eddie. Doors and windows open and shut when no one is there. Visitors sometimes feel persistent tapping on their shoulders. And a neighbor has seen candle-like lights bobbing in the museum after closing time. Poe's ghost has been seen in the town's port area, Bell's Point, where the writer seems to have wandered during his final days. A spirit affectionately named Edgar is said to prowl the horse you come in on saloon. Baltimore's oldest pub. And beginning in 1949, the mysterious person known as the Phantom Toaster toasted the writer with a glass of cognac at his grave every January 19th, which was Poe's birthday, leaving behind the unfinished brandy bottle and three red roses. But after vanishing in 2009, the toaster was thought to be, quote, the raven nevermore until a new toaster regained the tradition in 2016. Interesting. That is interesting. All right. Here's another one. I think we've done. Yeah, we did this one two weeks ago. Yes. It's a picture. um, It kind of looks like a small village. (laughs) Doesn't it? There's a tree growing up here in the middle and some bushes around. Um, this is the Westminster Mystery House. Westminster. San- Winchester, sorry. The Winchester Mystery House, San Jose, California. Normally, I'm with preschool children. These big words are really getting to me. All right. <laughs> the caption says, Above. The Winchester Mystery House, as it stood in the late 1930s. Much of this place's tray reputation was fueled by the area's version of tabloid journalism. But the house's eccentric ailing owner, Sarah Winchester, may well have been a spiritualist. Not uncommon at the time holding seances in the house in the seances in the house's so-called blue room. 
Okay, here we go. There is something of an awful house of usher about it, one journalist wrote of the Winchester Mystery House after it first opened to the public in San Jose, California in 1923. I, for one, would tremendously like to give a Halloween party in this old home. The rumors about the maze-like Victorian mansion started soon after its erected er, eccentric owner, Sarah Winchester, began began her elaborately idiosyncrasy construction. Idiosyncrasy. And they continue to this day fueled in part by the guides who led tourists through the bizarre structures, odds, nooks, and crannies, past doors that opened into walls, and upstairs that go to nowhere. There are now 160 rooms, 2,000 doors, 10,000 windows, 47 stairways, 47 fireplaces, 13 bathrooms, and six kitchens. Tourists are warned against wandering off. They could be lost for hours. This is how the story goes. After losing both her only child and her husband in New England, Winchester, the heiress to the Winchester Repeating Arms Company fortune, consulted a Boston psychic. He told her that her family was cursed by the souls. American Indians and Civil War soldiers among them who had been killed by the Winchester rifle. The gun that won the West. The only way to placate those restless spirits was to build a rambling house for them to inhabit. Dutifully, Winchester moved to California, where she bought an unfinished farmhouse in 1886, and for the next 36 years, she renovated and rebuilt her home, reportedly hiring construction workers to work around the clock. As long as the hammering continued, the rumor went she could stay alive. The truth, however, is somewhat more complicated. Known in her youth as the Belle of New Haven, Winchester was later crippled with remulatoid arthritis, and having lost her fabled looks, rarely ventured outside. Her obsessive need for privacy and refusal to speak publicly allowed yellow journalists and nosy neighbors to say anything they wanted about her with her impunity, and of course, they did. But the fact remains that visitors and staff alike claim to hear footsteps and breathing, seeing apparitions from other areas, finding locked doors suddenly open, and even smell chicken soup in the end. In 1920s, a journalist was not far off when she compared the eerie structure to the house of Usher-like Poe's melancholy domicile, the Winchester Place, Remains a mystery, all insoluble. That one was hard to uh, 
Well, I don't know. You know, it's it's really cool house. I don't know if she was just that that much off a rocker by that time, but uh, just the pictures of the house, the, the way the stairs go into nowhere, and I mean, there there was. I think she honestly believed what she was believing, and that just kind of added to the mix. Do I think the house is haunted? It's possible. Do I think it's haunted by everybody that was killed by a Winchester firearm? I doubt it. I think it's just her that would haunt the house. <clears throat> it's definitely a definitely interesting place, and I'd recommend visiting. All right, turning the page. Looks like I am looking at mausoleums, a voodoo room, and an old alley. Okay, otherworldly New Orleans, Louisiana. Just below, a ghostly figure walks. Pirates Alley? I think that's how it's pronounced. Formerly home to the likes of William Faulkner, who wrote his first novel there. At the bottom, the interior of the New Orleans Historic Voodoo Museum. And to the right, St. Louis Cemetery, number one, where the voodoo queen, Marie Lavu, is interred. What major U.S. city advertises rental apartments as haunted or not haunted? As if ghosts were amenities like air conditioning or a 24-hour doorman. If you guessed Boston, you're wrong. We're talking, of course, about Nolens, Louisiana, where spirited real estate sales are among the many reasons why the port city between the Mississippi River and Lake Pontchartrain. Pontchartrain. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to read it. I can't tell you. It's considered... It's French. <laughs> this is why I'm reading, because it's such small writing. Um, it is considered the most unearthly urban enclave in the United States. How did the Crescent City become a ghost town, literally? Maybe it has something to do with its multicultural mix of spiritual traditions. You have Native American, you have French, you have Spanish, you have Creole, you have Cajun, and not least, Voodoo and amalgam of African religions and Catholicism, or maybe it's just the fact that because the water table is so high, tombs called cities of the dead are built above ground, leaving restless spirits to roam the steamy streets. I don't know if you remember this. When we was driving, we were doing that delivery at that fuel. Was it Shell? I don't remember. I don't remember. But do you remember on the right side, we went through the tunnel under the river. I hated that river. Yeah. Popped up, went down that long straightaway, and then you've made that first right-hand curve. And on the left side of that curve, they was building 
the Mardi Gras floats. Yes. On the opposite side, you remember seeing that cemetery with grave with looked like caskets sticking out of the ground everywhere. Yes. I don't know if that was actually because they say that's what happens in New Orleans when you bury a casket underground. Like it said, the water table, the, the ground's so saturated that it actually pushes the casket out of the ground. It floats itself to the top. I don't know if that was a real cemetery. I don't know if it was just part of the Mardi Gras. Well, there's... I was best friends with somebody who was from there, and um, she knew a lot of the history, and she she's the one that told me that they had to put bury their people above ground because if they didn't, it would have them pop up out of the ground. So they they build all these little buildings to put people in instead of burying them underground. She told me that one. But after she told me that and we visit there, there's also places that they erect that look just like cemeteries. But it's actually... For all us Halloween lovers to go to for uh, haunted cemeteries. It, it's not the haunted house like you want to go to, but it's a haunted cemetery. So, I mean, it's just the whole vibe there is so weird. Okay, continuing. There's a ghost story or a library of them on virtually every corner. Hear from the spirit of a suicide that haunts the Louisiana National Guard Armory to the legend of the voodoo queen, Marie Lavu, entered in St. Louis Cemetery Number 1. Not long ago, a New York Magazine editor in the city for a convention crawled into her hotel bed one night and immediately felt the presence of a man beside her. When he wrapped his arms around her, she was too terrified to scream and stayed awake with his arms until sunrise, when he vanished. Maybe hotels here should take a cue from the rentals advertising haunted and unhaunted rooms, along with the Continental Breakfast. That's how they ended that one. Well, that was kind of weird. Yeah, that is weird. So, we're getting kind of close to the end. I don't know if I can finish another one. You know, we just watched that TV show the other day about New Orleans after Katrina. And I don't remember. It was a travel channel show or something. But it was about that the kid that killed himself. Yeah, it was kind of like a couple things. <laughs> he uh, murdered and dismembered his girlfriend and then jumped off a building. And they were trying to figure out if it was his PTSD from him being in, uh, what was it, Iraq? Yeah, he was in Iraq. Um, or if it's because of... The voodoo. His, because the voodoo. His, his apartment was haunted, listed as a haunted apartment in, in real estate. Yeah, and him and his girlfriend had recently rented that apartment, or had recently got that apartment. Upstairs from a voodoo shop. Right before... He did what he did. But, you know, and the thing I like about New Orleans, I don't know. It's still very, very rough looking from from Katrina. 
I mean, you can still find the blue tarps on the roofs, the boarded up windows still to this day. They've never been fixed. And I it's, mean, it's like going into another country, folks. It's, it looks like a third world country, but there's so much history. There's so much tourism. I just don't understand why it never has and, come back. And, I don't and when know you talk the, to the people that live there, they have so much love for that place. Or you try to judo chop the gator driver. That's a whole nother story that we don't need to get into. I thought he was a real alligator. I had my two dogs outside with me. They are very small dogs and they need protection. And it sounded like a gator tail swishing on the gravel. He should not have drove like that. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> but you've seen uh, the cemeteries. I mean, it's there's that one, we shouldn't even have went down that one road in the truck. It was the most, I mean, I'm driving a semi down this street. It's so narrow, and it was so low. All the trees that had them, I can't think of what kind of trees they are. You like them. It, they look like uh, weeping willow trees, but it's like a, it's some kind of tree like from there that has moss that just grows down. It, it's like a normal tree. But the moss, because of it having so much water, the high table, whatever it said, that moss grows from those trees and it just dangles down so it looks like a weeping willow. But it is absolutely gorgeous, I have to say. Anyway, we were hitting those. But, yeah, we're driving down this road and just the feeling in that town, is, it, it's, it's exhausting. I mean, we went down that neighborhood and it was just really weird feeling. Um you, it's, I don't know. It's something you can't put into words. It, it's something that you have to go see, feel, and get a vibe from. It, it's one of those. I don't know how else to describe it. I mean, you can go there and take pictures and bring them back home, but the pictures you take does not give you the sense of what you sense when you're there. I mean, the crime, I mean, it, I, I'm not trying to come off like I'm, like I'm anti New Orleans. I, I love the town. It's just, I should have been there. The food, I mean, everything. I love the food there. I love the people. I mean, everybody's friendly. Um, but it's just, you hit certain parts of that town. It's just, it's just extremely oppressing. Um, the truck stop, the palace truck stop down there. We went and picked up just down the road and you go under the bridge and there's nothing but a hundred cars that's been torched, stolen and torched down there and dead bodies down there. And I mean, there's, it's, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. And the diversity of the people that, I mean, people believe that that shit happens because of the hauntings. It's the, I mean, that's how they justify it. Yeah, like like you had mentioned about that kid. They, well, going they, back to that, he was normal, average, awesome guy who soft-spoken. Um, bartender. Bartender. He got along with everybody. He wanted to be a musician. Um, his girlfriend that he met there, they had the same likes with the music and everything. And then just one day... They found him. He had jumped off a building, committed suicide. 
Had a note in his pocket. Had a note in his pocket because he was sorry about what he had done. And then they went and checked out this note. And sure enough, his girlfriend's head was either in the pot on he the... He was boiling her head. He was boiling her head, had her torso, torso in the fridge. Um, Half-eaten body parts on the table. Yeah. So um, nobody would have thought of them doing this. People, and I mean... But he was secluded. This is where they can't figure out if it's the the spirits from Louisiana or if it's the... The people from New Orleans will back up the spirits. Yeah, 100%. everybody there said it was the spirits that made him do it. Um, but other people were saying, hey, you know, he is somebody who was from... Yeah, they blame PTSD. Yeah, but the it happened right after the flood, too. So they were secluded, isolated by themselves. And then when he wigged out is when they introduced everybody back to his town or his apartment building. Well, that's all the time we have this week. If you have a question or a story you would like to share, or maybe you have a place you would like us to investigate, whether it be paranormal or unexplained, feel free to email us at twisted.reality2021 at gmail.com. I would also like to take a moment to invite you to visit our Facebook page and our Facebook group, Twisted Reality 2021. And as always, we thank you for listening. And until next time, keep an open mind.